Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 195 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So thrilled that you're here with me today. Fantastic interview lined up for you from Ivoma Okoro, and it was just a thrill to talk to her about something that we normally don't talk about on this podcast. Um, she's writing and producing and putting on like a drama podcast, and it's going to be so exciting for you to listen to because she reminded me, as I always need reminding, there are so many different paths to doing what we're doing, and the creative talent and energy and inspiration that is out there is incredible. So please enjoy. Um, she talks a little bit about uh, changing forms in order to get better at plotting, which is something that I had never even thought about doing. We really bonded over the difficulty in plotting. Some of you don't have that difficulty. She and I do. So that was really great. I know that you're going to enter enjoy that interview. Um, what's going on around here? I am actually really enjoying this tiny bit of downtime. I am working on this big idea, taking the collection of essays that I was working on and making it kind of skewing it a little bit to a new angle, which has me completely fired up. I am just a light with ideas for this in a way that feels magnificent. So I'm just really enjoying going down that rabbit hole, letting my brain play with it, letting myself have time to think about what the best course of action for this particular book will be and what I want to make sure that I don't miss in this revision. It's a massive revision. <laughs> yay, yay. So I'm very excited about that. In technical interesting news. So I think I mentioned that I got an iPad mini because I had enjoyed doing the very, very last cleanup of Hush Little Baby before I sent it to my editor on my wife's iPad. I loved it so much that I think I was only like maybe half an hour into the experience. And I asked my wife to buy me an iPad mini because she enjoys buying Apple products. So she got me one and I have been addicted to it since I got it. And it's in a very uh, professional and, um, what's the word? Organizational way. I loaded GoodNotes onto it after researching what is the best kind of note-taking application for this. What I really, really wanted was to be able to use the Apple Pencil on it and take notes, right? Because we all, writers, tend to like taking handwritten notes. My handwriting is not that beautiful. It's a little bit hard to read, but I can read it. I love it. I have books everywhere, planners everywhere. They're coming out my ears and I always love to try the next new greatest thing. So I learned that with GoodNotes, this app, you could go onto Etsy of all places and download GoodNotes um, configurations. So I looked at all of their daily planners, bujos, journals, and I found one that I really liked 
bought it for like $9 and uploaded it onto GoodNotes. I'm using that right now as my planner, even though I have like two paper planners on my desk as well. I am addicted to planners, but I'm loving the ability to write by hand on the planner, but have it look really good. Um, I got a matte, uh, screen protector for it. And using the Apple pencil with the matte screen protector really feels great. It almost feels like you're writing on paper. I'm keeping my journal in there now. I am reading a friend's book and making marks all over it. I am currently actively going in and updating all of these ideas I'm having for this revision of this collection of essays for this memoir. And it feels really, really good. It is so fun. It feels very, very productive. And I have to tell you, I'm a little bit scared because I had already downloaded the Post-its app for my phone. I know, don't stop laughing. And I had never used it, but I thought, oh, it might be a little bit more usable on an iPad. So I just this afternoon downloaded the Post-it app. It's free by 3M, right? And I downloaded it onto the iPad and I have all of these Post-its, my beloved Post-its for the book I'm working on. And it let me hold the iPad over them, take pictures of the pages of post-its. It automatically separates the post-its. Your handwriting is right there and you can still move them all over on the screen into whatever formats you want them. You can change the color of the post-it. This is the post-it that I wrote by hand. Now it's inside my post-it app. I can move it around with my finger to go wherever I want it to go and I can change the color. I can write new ones. Um, I actually have an important post-it on my desk, which is kind of like my mission statement, my purpose. And I held up the iPad and took a picture of that post-it and now it's a post-it inside the app. I don't think it will take away my love for paper post-its and God knows I hope it doesn't because I just got into composting those but it has been really, really exciting. Um, I don't know if I'm the only person to get this excited about post-it notes, but I bet I'm not. I bet one of you really loves post-it notes as much as I do. So anyway, I'm loving the iPad. I got a stand for it to sit on on the desk and it's kind of working as a second screen sometimes. I do absolutely everything for my entire business, and I always have, on a tiny 11-inch MacBook Air. This one is actually like six years old and keeps crashing. So at some point, I'm going to have to upgrade. But, um, and I love having the tiny laptop. I love having the tiny screen. It works for me. But having the second screen is pretty nice too. So in terms of enjoying production and tech, this iPad mini is really treating me right. I very much like it. Plus, I got an incredibly cute comp book cover for it, which matches the comp book cover I have on my Kindle. And I have a theme because we love notebooks. I am passionate about notebooks. I'm not losing my notebooks. I'm not losing those other planners. This is in addition to, and it's really working for my process. So, um, in terms of business stuff, I would love to thank new patron. Um, I'm going to guess at your first name, Lane, Lane Anderson or Lean Anderson. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your patronage. I really, really appreciate it. It means that I get to sit in this chair and write those essays for you all and answer those uh, questions that are for the mini episodes, like the one that came out, I believe it was yesterday or the day before as this episode goes out. 
So thank you all patrons. You can always go look at my patron levels over at patreon.com slash Rachel and all else is well here. I'm just uh, moving through my days and getting a lot of writing done as much as I can. And I hope that you are getting some writing done. If you're not, go over to howdoyouwrite.net and tell me why. If you are, go over there and tell me why. I never get comments over there. On my show with Jay, the writer's well, we get so many comments, sometimes almost a hundred on a post. Um, on my show, I never ask for them and that's fine. You don't have to come over there. Reach me anywhere that I am online. I am often on Twitter. I'm always in my email. So hit me up. Tell me how you are doing because people don't believe this, but I am actually very, very interested to know how you are doing with your writing. That is important to me. So, um, yeah, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm just, I think I'm just Rachel Heron over there. So come follow me over there. Let's connect. Tell me how you're doing. Happy writing and enjoy this awesome interview. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to. And if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show, Ivoma Okoro. How, hi, Ivoma. I don't know if I said how. How are you, Ivoma? I'm doing well, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You'll notice with this podcast, if we make mistakes, I don't worry about it because life happens. I rarely edit the show. So, <laughs> let me give a little introduction for you so people know who you are. Ivoma Okoro is the writer, producer, and performer of the narrative fiction podcast, Vega, a Sci-Fi Adventure. The show is stylized storytelling, where she, as a colorful narrator, talks to listeners directly as she leads them through the tale of a bounty huntress of the fantasy future. After launching the show in late 2018, Vega won Best Writing of a New Spoken Word Production and Best Performance of a New Spoken Word in the 2019 Audioverse Awards. Congratulations on that. In addition to that, Ivoma was invited to speak on Film Independence 2019 panel for Narrative Podcasts called Narrative Podcasts stories and sound in the spring of that year. While most of her writing efforts are focused on the podcast, Ivoma practices prose fiction through a bi-weekly newsletter and ultimately dreams of making her way into television animation. That is such a cool bio. And when we were introduced, I was like, yes, I have to talk to you because you are like no one else I have hmm. talked to on this whole show. I've talked to writers and poets and some artists, um, I think one graphic novelist. But what you're doing in terms of writing, production, and dissemination is like this new frontier. You're really, I know, I know people are doing it, but not very many people are doing it. Yeah. 
and not very many people are doing it really well and winning awards <laughs> for it. So I would love to know, just before we jump into your process, how did you get into this? How did I get into this? Uh, so I, I did kind of start off more so what I feel like is what many people move to LA doing. So I, I wanted to write features and then I heard all the jobs are in TV. So I thought, okay, I need to write pilots and write a, a spec thing and str- try to get a job in TV. And very quickly, I don't know, I just don't have the stamina for asking people to, for permission to make things mm. and, or even just read my things, you know, like I would finish the script. I'm so excited about it. And then like I, I could find one person to read it and that, and that person's like, wow, you're really talented. And then they like, they're ghosts. They just like oh. disappear, you know? And so I, I got to a place where I was like, I, you know, I think the story, this, well, the story that my podcast is about, um, it's, it's a really, really big world. Um, like kind of like a, I hope to be like an epic sort of like yeah. fantasy sci-fi sort of thing. So I just realized a better medium might've been a novel anyway. So I thought, great, do it by myself. You know, don't have to worry about many things for a while in terms of getting people to read it. I can just focus on craft. So that's what I did. And then I heard a really awesome show, audio fiction called uh, Bubble. <clears throat> I haven't and heard that, of that one. And, have you not? Yeah. No. Oh, it's, it's, it was one of those ones that um, it had like a big cast. Like I had heard of a couple of the actors. They'd been in like, one of them was like in Parks and Rec. Like it just, it just had a cast that I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to check this out. And so I did, and I really enjoyed it. I think I had heard a couple of audio fiction things before, or audio plays, and I had had trouble following it along because they, they the ones that I had heard really depended on sound design to like take you through. Yes. So I'm like, I don't know where I am anymore. Like the sound design in, I don't know who's speaking. A lot of these characters sound kind of similar, but this um, show bubble was really great because it had a narrator and and it kind of to read the scene directions. And so I thought, oh maybe my story can be that. And so I recorded a couple of test episodes and I really enjoyed it. It brought together a lot of skills that I already have. I studied as a, uh, a performer in theater in college. Uh, and so I thought, oh, well, this kind of melds a lot of things that I already really like to do. And it's been awesome. I, I'm so glad like getting to connect with people, people like connecting with the audience directly like not needing anybody to tell me I can make things like it's been it's been awesome this is one that I'm going to listen to with my wife because she's really really good at listening to audio drama and I kind of get caught up sometimes in what you what you were like where's where's the where's the sound what what is it doing what is happening and she's good at kind of translating that for me and she gets super into the uh, audio dramas um so what is your writing process what does it look like where do you get it done how do you do it question so my writing process I would say I'm not a coffee shop girl though I wish I could be yeah like I, I like the community atmosphere but I kind of need to be alone well and right now that's kind of perfect right the yeah. all coffee shop writers are dying and you're like I've been practicing for this <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so it so it, it kind of works out but uh, so so what that ends up looking like is me uh getting up really early when it feels like nobody else exists mm. and writing uh and hopefully i mean i would say like i I like to write again i in an ideal world where i didn't have a schedule for other things like get up at like 4 35 write till like uh like nine have breakfast write again till lunch have lunch and then write a little bit so like maybe like 
total of like six or so hours a day. And yeah. when I when I write, when I'm really into it, like when I'm in, in a draft. So right now I've been focusing on getting the podcast out. I'm relaunching yeah. it soon. Um, but when I'm in a draft, I, I need to work every day or at least every weekday. And then I like to take the weekends off. Yeah. So when you say you like on like a perfect day, you'd get up at like 4.30 or 5. Is that when your eyes pop open or is this something that you set like an alarm for to do? Alarm, definitely. Okay. But that makes like me feel once, so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like once you're, I, I feel like once you're like two weeks in, it does feel like your eyes will pop open on that first alarm ring as opposed to being like dragging yourself out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get up routinely at like four or four thirty, um, just because I had to write before I went to work. And and I remember like that feeling of the alarm going off, and you just don't think. You put your feet on the floor and you stand up. And then by the time you're at your desk, you're in the mood. Yeah. But if you have one yeah. thought, I don't know if you have this, but <laughs> if I had one thought, like could I stay in bed? Then you're doomed. You just have to put the feet yeah. on the floor first. <laughs> that that happens to me. So that's why I say I get up at four thirty or five because <laughs> I'm okay with a snooze and like if yeah. I if I have the time if it's if it's before work then I'm like I I have to get my three hours done you know but yeah I'm with you there so what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing my biggest challenge it's kind of funny to say this as a fiction writer but I think it's plot I think it's plotting I feel like me too I, really, I am the exact same I hate plot yeah it's terrible yeah. Yeah, for me, yeah. Uh, like emotional journeys and uh, themes really get my mind going. Like I could tell you what the theme is, you know, like if a character starts out like dutiful and loyal, they're going to need to learn to be, you know, more spontaneous. So like I can tell you like how they'll feel when they're challenged with these new circumstances. And I could even like see their faces. Like it's really clear to me the inner journey. But when it comes to answering the question, like what happens? <laughs> it's really hard for me to just like come up with like a sequential logical plot that gets them there um so yeah I find that really challenging and I feel like I come to this place where I'm like throwing things out and I'll have people read it and I'm like is this work is is this good enough is this passing enough plot wise for you to understand the emotions like it almost doesn't matter to me what happens as long as they feel a certain way that you can move them through their emotions right so how do you generate, how do you generate plot ideas? And I'm really asking for myself because I'm always, I have a, I have a good friend, Adrienne Bell, who wrote um, the plot MD. She's like the plot doctor and she'll sit down and like, you'll say, I have a story about a man who feels this way. And she goes, well, he could be working here. And then this happens. And then like, like plot just pours out of her and I get so jealous. Like, so how do you generate your ideas? Gosh, I wish I kind of, I'm going to read that book. Did you say that she had a book? Alisa, yeah, The Plot MD. The Plot yeah. MD. Yeah, I'm going to read that because I need that. I feel like I'm still trying to work it out. Um, I feel like something that's really helped me. So I, I did mention in the in the bio it, it, uh, that you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, these like short stories. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, as a as a biweekly newsletter, which I haven't been so diligent about lately. Wow, with all a short going story, on. but like even... Yeah. Yeah, so I so I so I want I was trying to get into this habit of writing just plot for these stories because you don't have time to really get into idea. like the whole journey. Yeah, so it's just like okay, this happens, that happens. Because what I started realizing when um when so my podcast is called Vega, and so like when Vega was doing well, I was hearing from a couple people, and they're like, "Hey, can you pitch us things?" And I just couldn't. I don't know. Like it was really hard to like 
they're like, what happens? And I'm like, okay, so like, this is the theme. And like, this is what, you know, so I, I thought maybe doing short stories will really help me just to like focus on this happens, that happens, and that happens. And I can create a little bit of emotion out of that, but mostly about like things happening. But I think probably the biggest book that was helpful for me was this book called The Art of Dramatic Writing. Ooh. Heard of that one by no, Lejos. It yeah, it's it's a great one. It's by, it's by this guy named Lejos Egri, E-G-R-I. And it's really about playwriting, um, but it's applicable for, for all kinds of writing because all kinds of writing, like the basis of it is drama. So mm-hmm. that one was really good. And he was all about having a premise, which is a theme, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. um, poverty leads to ruin or whatever. Your thing can be anything, whatever you believe. And then having each thing that happens in your narrative justify or prove that premise. I love um, that. I'm always yeah. trying to tell that to students and I've never managed to say it that succinctly before. Huh. That makes total sense. Um, yeah, I've been, the, the listeners will know that I've been struggling a lot with that. I wrote this thriller that, is, that really turned out to be an emotional novel. And mm. my editor just kept saying, okay, but can you make it a thriller? Because, you know, you need the dramatic tension. You need that motion. So let yeah. me ask you about these short stories. Do you think that it has helped with your, I your plot do. to help your plot? I, I do. I think now that I know, I think it was pitching that really made me realize my plotting was weak as a, as a muscle. Um, and I, and I've always known, like, I would get, I would have a really strong idea of the beginning, have a very strong notion of like the exact ending moment, but everything in between, I don't know. So I think that's what led me to get that book, The Art of Dramatic Writing, because I would get so lost. Um, and so I, I do think it is helpful, um, or that it has been helpful for me to think about um, what happens. And I think too, every time that I've switched mediums, so I started off, um, you know, writing features, and then I, I was like, okay, I'll write pilots, and then I started writing this this pilot as a novel, and now I'm in audio fiction, like understanding what each medium needs and understanding in audio, if you're writing an adventure people want to know like what happens they're 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 listening to see like what happens though audio is a great space too for just like talking to a person you know like hearing thoughts um but i i do want it to feel like oh this is moving along so i think i think all those things you know in in the in the short stories are a different medium i think each of those things have taught me um yeah like how do i move this story along and what are the kind of beats i need to hit i do think it's helpful though i need to be consistent with it. That's the hardest part. I send yeah. a weekly letter of encouragement to writers and I don't think I've sent it in like eight weeks. So, you know, that's, it's the no, times are strange. Um, I, sorry, I'm so stuck on these, these short stories. How long are they normally? Uh, I would say I, my goal is 400 to 500 words. That, how do you do that? That's so short. <laughs> I know. Well, so, so the, so the premise for it yeah. is, um, like it's, I call it the short story machine. And it's like, give me a Facebook comment or like a headline and I'll like make a short story about it. So like the first one, the, the Facebook comment was like, if I say Candyman three times, will he appear and like keep me company during quarantine basically. So I, so I wrote a little story about that. So it starts off with a very like small premise. And so it, I think that's what helps me keep them like kind of shorter and just like expounding a little bit on that, on that little word. Yeah. I am immediately subscribing to your newsletter. So no, 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 no pressure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? 
My biggest joy. I would say I am a huge fan of that quote. I forget who says it. I think most people have been accredited, but the quote that goes, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Have you heard that? I don't know. I, I've heard oh. it, but I, 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 it sounds vaguely familiar. So let me think about it. No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's this idea of if you're writing something and it's boring to you, it's going to be boring for everybody else. And if you're writing something and you're moved by it or you're like, man, this really captures what I was trying to say or, you know, I, I feel like anytime, and it doesn't happen like often, but anytime that I'm able to write something and I feel like, wow, this is what I wanted to say, or it makes me feel emotional, or I'm going over and over because I'm like, I feel so bad for this character, or I feel so good for this character. Those are times where I feel like, I feel like, man, I meant to do this. Whereas in other times, I feel like, you know, kind of like what I was saying with plotting, is this working? I'm throwing it out, hoping people like it. But I feel like th those moments where I, it, it moves me when I, when I write something are times where I feel like, okay, this is, I feel purposeful. I'm supposed to be doing this. I know that if I feel this way, other people will feel something. And so I feel like those are pretty joyous moments for me. Oh, that's delicious. I love that feeling. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, what, oh, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Oh, craft tip. I would say the biggest thing that I've learned, especially doing sci-fi, fantasy, world building, all this kind of stuff is do research. I did, I, I, under I underestimated the power of research uh, for a long time and then I, started, I am still underestimating it like I you? just don't like research very much. so tell, <laughs> tell me more about this how did you how did yeah. you learn you did this especially for something that you're really you know you're making up it's yeah, fiction, you're making up it's science yeah fiction. yeah everybody thinks oh you can just make your own rules or whatever but the best science fiction and you I mean you can go ahead you can see this in examples countless classic examples whether it's fantasy or science fiction it's based on something real like it's based on a you know World War One or just like something like um, so I I think I really started to understand this when I was cr first ca first crafting Vega as a novel and I'm sure you know novels take a lot of like a lot there's a lot that goes into them you so have to much. think about everything about this world yeah and so I was having a lot of trouble like even visualizing what do they wear like what do they eat and why um, what's what what like what are the rules of their religion and all this kind of stuff and so I started you know, doing research on like science. I, I think like all of the, like one of the gods or the ones that, the, the one that my main character believes in is like based off of like electricity and the rules of like thermodynamics and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, once you are able to, you know, like, and like there's like whole fields of research about these things, you know? So if you're like able to do that, it becomes this creative springboard for you. Like, okay, well, if the electrons are moving in this way, maybe when they're doing their ritual, they move in that same way, you know, oh, like you can just so cool. base things off of other things and do less work for yourself and just pulling things out of thin air. So I feel like once I realized that I was, or like once I was able to do a certain level of research, it basically wrote itself. Like 70% of the world was kind of there. Wow. So yeah. how do you, how do you restrict yourself? to not getting lost down the rabbit hole of research. And I know a lot of writers have that problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of um, writers talk about this idea of, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if there's two kinds of writers, but two things can happen. Like you can get so into building the world and doing the research that you neglect the plot or you, or you can just like see the plot and then do as much research as you need to continue writing. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of fall into the second one. I, I was telling you earlier, like themes and characters are really what 
drive me. Yeah. And I, I think I'm like this in general. Once I know enough about it, I'm good. Like I can like leave that and go back to the story and kind of fill in the cracks that I know are showing and then kind of move on from there. So I think it's really about like, I think research for research sake is fun, but that's not writing. <laughs> and so, yeah, if you want to get back to your novel, knowing what the plot is and knowing, okay, they're going to move through this area and this area is based off of this country and then do research on that country and just enough for you to keep on writing. To inspire you to, to get new ideas to, to fill in. Um, exactly. Let me ask you quickly about theme too, because I know that it's a word that sometimes panics, right? Mm-hmm. Or especially new writers. What is, um, what is your theme? Do you mind me asking for a vega? Yeah, so my so my premise, according to uh, Mr. Egri in our dramatic writing, is that active doubt leads to deeper understanding. Oh, uh, and that's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, so it's this this idea that so it's like a it's like a faith based world that they live in. Like they have these beliefs that are really extreme. And so as I as as you mentioned at the beginning, my character is a bounty huntress, but she her her nation and they they employ her to go kill off like the world's biggest criminals, but like she, she kills them, you know, and like, they're like trying to purify the earth, but she's a killer, you know? And so it's this idea of, she comes to a point where she's like, is this right? Is this what right. I want to do? Like, you know, so she has doubts and that those doubts as painful as they are, lead her to question things. And those questions lead to a deeper understanding as she gets more answers. So yeah, that's kind of like the overarching theme of the whole um, narrative and so every every conversation every fight every hopefully plot point leads to further developing like okay if if she's the only one who's actively doubting things she's the one who will grow in her understanding and then perhaps to see other people starting to doubt or learning how to doubt almost right. in this faith-based society um the thing i love about this theme is that it is not a common one mm. how some themes repeat and you know we pull from them a lot and you know like a lot of my books are written around the same theme because I go back to my core story over and over again. Yeah. Um, but that is a really unique and beautiful one. Thank thanks. you. Thank you for sharing. What is, what is your core story? What you- my, my core theme is that um, true family is chosen. Ooh, I, and I love that. It's good, isn't it? But even, yeah. when I try, even when I set out to write a story with a different theme, by the end of the first draft, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. I'm back at it again. <laughs> You know, but that's okay, right? That's okay, because it's something yeah. I believe and I prove with my own life. And, yeah. and I'm attracted to those kind of books and stories yeah. and movies. So, And there's so many ways to tell that story. Exactly. You and I could tell. <laughs> For anybody watching, sorry, I have a hair in my eye. Um, we could have the same premise and you would write, we could have the same plot premise right. and have two separate themes, your theme versus my theme. And we would come out with completely different books, completely different right stories and that's what's really exciting to me about theme yeah um especially when we go into revision i think we have to have to have it first draft i think you can play but um into revision oh i love theme theme is delicious um what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way this one's a hard one i don't know if it's surprising but i definitely like if there's any relational disharmony any anything going on like even if it's like somebody didn't text me back and I'm like, are they mad? Like, I just can't focus. I feel like that's not surprising because it's, it's just like how we are, you know, like writing happens in your head and all these other things happen in your head. And so it's hard to separate those things. So when everything is smooth, it's very easy for me to focus on, on what I need to do in terms of getting stuff down on paper. 
But I wonder also if that is something to do with your emotional intelligence, which Mm. you bring to the book. You know, you've already said that um, you understand the emotions of your characters. And Mm. perhaps when you are in a place of limited understanding about the emotions of the people that you care about, maybe that Uh, throws you off a little bit. Because I don't, I don't care. Like, you know, if she's (laughs) mad at me, she needs to tell me later and I'm going to write, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's, I wish I had that power, but I think you have a point about that. Yeah. Because I do. I, I love talking about emotional behavior. I love understanding how people click. I said, I was, er, er, I said earlier, I was an actress. I think that was a large part of it. Like, why does this character act this way? If I find out, then I can understand them and act like them, you know, like, I think, I think there's something to that. And that's, there's that undercurrent of of empathy that you probably bring to everything. Hmm. Yeah. I I like to think so. Wow. (laughs) What is the best book that you've read recently? And why did you love it? In the same vein, uh, my, the, the book that I think I've read recently that was really powerful, it was called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Um, oh. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm in recovery and I was already thinking like adult children mm. of alcoholics often mm. have this kind of emotional response to other people's mm. emotional responses. So it's probably similar. Tell us again, yeah. adult children of emotionally what? Immature, Immature. parents. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's probably similar. It's this, it's this kind of thing. I read it and it told me my entire emotional experience in my childhood. And I was like, this is why, like all these other, you know, personality tests and all these things that kind of get, get at it. But I think this book really got to the core of things. And I think the reason I loved it so much, again, is I love understanding behavior. There, there are many things I do that I, I don't understand why I did that or why I feel this way. So growing in my knowledge of like why people behave the way they do, anything that can open up that field of mystery for me, is something that I want to read. So I read a lot of like nonfiction, social behavior, sociology, um, behavioral science books. And yeah, that was one personally for me that, yeah, it was like five years of therapy. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, I love these books because the, the and, and you know, it can be seen as navel gazing and I always feel like I'm navel gazing, but the more I understand myself and the more I figure mm-hmm. this stuff out, the better we are at understanding our characters, right? This is part of our job. 100% agree, yeah. That's so cool. Okay, so tell us now where we can find you out in the world and especially where we can find Vega and where we can subscribe to your newsletter list. Yes. Okay, so you can find Vega on any podcatcher. Well, not any, but most of the big ones. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Google, uh, Vega Podcasts. Oh, sorry, Vega colon, a sci-fi adventure podcast, exclamation point. I like the exclamation point. Yeah, because it's an adventure. And then... um, you can find the, that show on Twitter at Vega Podcast, and you can also find it on Instagram there. You can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Evoma Okoro. Um, I'll be there. And you can find the newsletter at EvomaTellStories.com. Awesome. And Evoma yeah. is spelled I V U O M A. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Ivoma. It has been such a treat and a delight to find you. And now, you know, this is why I do the show is because now I can go out and suck you and follow everything you do. So, you know, I will do the same. (laughs) You're you're more interesting than I am. I (laughs) I can guarantee you that. Thank you, Ivoma, so much. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.